Welcome to Decode Your Burnout, the podcast where we crack the code on burnout based on three primary factors, your programming, environment, and personality. We also feature experts who debunk the myths about what it takes to be successful in their industry and spin those tips to fit the workplace so you can optimize the way you work. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Grossman, a psychologist turned coach, author, and burnout expert. If you're burned out and want to go from exhausted to extraordinary, book a free breakthrough session with me by going to bookachatwithsharon.com. And if you want to see how you're doing and what to focus on next, download the burnout checklist. You'll find the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly forward slash check your burnout. Now let's get started. Hello, Decode Your Burnout fans, and welcome to another episode with me, Dr. Sharon Grossman. We are officially in the new year, so happy new year to everybody. Um, And today I have a wonderful guest by the name of Nikki Lowe. She's an award-winning executive coach who has personally supported thousands of executives in some of the world's best-known organizations to thrive personally and professionally. She is the founder of two executive development businesses, Luminate and Wisdom for Working Moms. She's a mom of two children, and after having her first child, experienced burnout. This experience was a catalyst for her to reimagine her approach to work and motherhood. Nikki now supports women to combine their work and family life in a more successful and sustainable way without sacrificing their sanity or well-being. Applying her coaching, leadership, and psychological skills to help women truly thrive. Nikki, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. It's a real pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. And I can't wait to have this, I'm sure, going to be rich discussion with you because I love your podcast and what you cover. So it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. So um, I understand that being this successful businesswoman and mother led to your own burnout. Mm-hmm. So why don't you start us off by first sharing about what happened for you? And, and then we can see what you learned as a result of that experience? Yeah, well, I think the story probably starts a little bit further back than that. Mm. So if I take you back 17 years ago, and it was 17 years ago this week, actually, that I had quite a profound experience that if I draw kind of, I can track back the breadcrumbs of my burnout. So at the time, 17 years ago, I worked for a global technology company, a Silicon Valley company, and I was a global account director. So I'd got this high profile, hard powered job. On the outside, it looked incredibly successful. I'd got, you know, the the big salary, the big stock share scheme, the company car, the big house in the countryside. And on paper, I thought I'd made it. But on the inside, it was a very, very different experience. I was really struggling. And I just kept thinking that I was being ungrateful. You know, I'd worked hard to achieve this. And I just was being ungrateful for not enjoying it. So I was, I suppose I was gaslighting myself to my own experience at that time and just thought if I work a little bit harder, and I think I was in, you know, typical imposter syndrome, kept thinking somebody's going to find out I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. So I was working longer, harder, faster than 
my colleagues, mostly male, just to prove to myself that I could do this. But on the inside, I it, I just was, it was like my soul was being sucked out of me. Mm. So 17 years ago, I thought, do you know what? I just need a good holiday. That's what I need. So me and my, he was my boyfriend at the time now, my husband, we booked a two-week holiday to the Maldives. And I thought two weeks in the Maldives will sort me out. And we were a week into a two-week holiday and I got a call from my brother to say that my mum had passed away really suddenly, really unexpectedly. And it was 24 hours before we could get a flight home. So I was sat in that classic, you know, you can just imagine the view that comes into your mind when you think of the Maldives, looking out in paradise, kind of going, how have I got this so wrong? Like, how am I at this point in my life? So I made a decision before I came back that I was going to resign. So before I got that plane home, I thought, I'm just going to walk away from this big job. The big job is the problem. I can't cope with corporate life. It's too toxic for me. So I left. I retrained as an executive coach and I started my my exec coaching business 17 years ago, well, 16 years ago now. And that was all great. So I thought I've removed the problem, the source of the burnout, because really what I didn't know back then, I hadn't got the language or vocabulary for it. I was burning out. So kind of fast forward, built a really successful exec coaching business, was traveling around the world, doing leadership development, exec coaching. Life felt really good. Me and my husband had just got married and we thought, do you know what? We're in the perfect place to start a family. So I had my firstborn, my son, um, coming up for 10 years ago now. And actually really struggled with that first year in motherhood and wasn't expecting it. I thought I was really well placed. I'd been doing a lot of maternity coaching in my exec coaching work because I was working with a lot of female leaders. So I knew it was going to be challenging to be a working mum, but thought I was prepared for it. And about a year after having him, I was returning back to work and I was really struggling with my health. Like I just kept getting colds after colds after colds. And then they developed into bigger viruses. And I just ended up with this deep fatigue kept going to the doctors going, something's not right. You know, I don't normally get ill. And they just kept telling me they did loads of blood tests and checks. And they were like, no, you're just a new mum. All new mums are tired. So I was like, okay. But at that point, my son was sleeping through the night. My my daughter never did, but my son was, you know, a really quite easy baby in in a way. So I was like, this doesn't feel right. And I got progressively worse to the point that I'd be playing with him on the floor as like when he was a baby. And I would struggle to get up off the floor. Like I literally hadn't got the energy in my cells to get up. So I started to think, God, I must have some kind of mystery disease that nobody knows, rare disease. You know, my mind was really, I knew I wasn't well, but everybody kept telling me I was fine. So yeah, my mind got to a place where I must have a rare cancer or something must be going on. And luckily I got introduced to an amazing uh, functional medicine lady. So this amazing medical lady, and she finally diagnosed me with adrenal fatigue. So I'd literally burnt my adrenal system out. And that was a really powerful experience. Um, One to be validated that somebody could tell me what was wrong with me. But also then going on the journey to go, how the hell did that happen? Because actually, as a coach with the knowledge and the support and all of the resources that I had around me, I couldn't work out how it had happened. So I first went to, oh, it must be me personally. I must be weak. I must be incapable. I mustn't be as strong as I thought I was. But I then got fiercely curious. I was like, if I can't work out how this has happened, I can't work. Like, how am I going to stop it happening again if I can't work out how it's happened in the first place? So that really led me to go on this incredibly powerful journey. I suppose I call it my breakdown to breakthrough experience of researching and just 
building up the layers of understanding and that's kind of led me now to do the work that I do to help other women not get into that position wow (laughs) what a story um and so I'm curious what did you find out right here you are like curious trying to follow these breadcrumbs trying to put the puzzle pieces together what was it that you discovered that actually led to the adrenal fatigue and the burnout what I've come to discover very simply is that it's complex. Mm-hmm. So there are two, I suppose, f- sources that were influencing me that I hadn't quite got sight of, which were what I would call the psychobiological factors, which are the individual factors. So what about like you were talking in terms of your personality and my my personal conditioning to how I was showing up in the world. And then the psychosocial So cultural, society, and the environmental factors that were influencing that and and really understanding how they interplayed for me personally. So that's at a simple level. It's kind of what were the individual factors? Because to begin with, I just went to the individual. Oh, I'm wrong somehow. I can't, I'm not as strong as other mothers and I must be failing somehow. And what was really interesting for me was at that point, I decided for my recovery that I would step away from doing my work because I was like, actually, if I'm struggling with my well-being, I've got to be well to look after this child. I will take work out the equation. That seemed to me like the simplest way to deal with this. What I very, very quickly, like within a month, it was like, oh, no. No, taking work out the equation isn't the answer here. Actually, I love my work and it's a source of well-being for me. So if I take that out, actually I'm becoming less of a person and I can't I can't thrive in that way. So that was really powerful. So that was like, ah, oh, I need to work out how I can combine these two identities to be the kind of mum that I want to be, but also do the work that lights me up. And unfortunately, the cultural messages we get are that they kind of they can't they can't sit powerfully together they have to play off each other and one has to be sacrificed and I that just innately I was like no I need to find a different way I need to reimagine this because I need both parts of me to to be fully alive and 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 fully honored so that was part of the journey about okay so let me understand what are the messages that I've taken in about what it means to be the good mother and actually it's the messages about being the perfect mother She's always there for a child. She always puts their needs first that, you know, she needs to look perfect. Her house needs to look perfect. Her child needs to look perfect, but you don't sacrifice any time with your children to do that versus the messages that I'd taken about being the ideal worker that actually, if I was a good professional businesswoman, I'm dedicating all my hours to my business and I, you know, I'm hustling and doing what it takes and so it meant stripping all that back and going, no, 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 what, how do I want to do it? What, how am I going to do this on my terms? And I, I say that like it was simple. It wasn't because, you know, and it's still work in progress because I still get caught up in ways of working which are not not great for me. I What I learned was that, you know, you can be somebody that has one-time burnout that just like your external demands put you into burnout, or you can be the kind of person that, is predisposed to burnout and I've realized that I am predisposed to it if I'm not careful not from a DNA kind of genetic but partly my personality I'm very driven I'm very conscientious partly because of the conditioning that you talk about you know in terms of the messages I've taken on about being people pleaser and a good girl so it's 
been stripping all of that back, looking at it and going, what and, and empowering myself about what are the bits that I want to take and I'm consciously choosing them versus what are the bits that I'm choosing not to take and, and allow to dictate how I'm going to live and work and, and parent. Yeah. And I love that you are already kind of doing my work for me. <laughs> You're decoding your own burnout. So yeah. So you've kind of identified that from a personality standpoint, you are the feeler, right? You're that people pleaser, the person who's trying to take care of everybody else and you put yourself on the back burner. But there's also some programming that I am hearing about where you had this idea of being the perfect mother, being Mm -hmm. the ideal worker. And so tell me what your beliefs were around that and where that actually came from. Really good question. And I think the the perfect mother piece actually comes from my own mum because I completely put her on a pedestal about being the perfect mum. And she was in some ways. She before how her my mum and my dad met was my mum was a nanny um, for a brigadier in the in the British Army. And they met out in Germany. My dad was in the army. My mum was a nanny for a brigadier in the in the army. And her she loved children and like motherhood to her was just she was like Mary Poppins. You know, she she just loved it. And I assumed that when I became a mum, I was going to love it. And it didn't come as naturally to me. And there were big parts of motherhood that I really didn't enjoy. And I made myself wrong in that. So I think I was trying to be this perfect mum. And my mum gave up her career to raise me and my brother. And that was kind of the model that I'd swallowed of what a good mum does. So I'd got that as kind of my, my perfect model. But if I track it back, you know, if we talk about family systems, my mum's mum so my grandma actually left home and left her children so my mum was one of six children her mum left home and left the children so I think my mum compensated in her mothering and so you know that that kind of you could see the systemic piece so I had to kind of go that's you know from an ancestor who perspective they did what they had to do and now I'm empowered to do what I need and want to do and um, they did the best that they could and I'm going to try and do the best that I can so there was there was some of understanding that and I think the the ideal worker and I still am trying to decode this so you might be able to help me Dr. Sharon is that I I can kind of go oh it was the corporate conditioning but actually I've been out of corporate life longer than I was ever in it So I can't really play that card. You know, I could say that, you know, my dad ran his own business and I saw him kind of focus exclusively on his business, you know, and was able to boundary that. And so I thought that's what I needed to do. And obviously we know culturally in society, women have, you know, um, unfortunately still carry a lot of the domestic load. So we can't just separate the two as easily as men used to be able to, or perhaps still can. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if I know the actual source of where I've got that conditioning from. I think it's probably multiple factors, but it definitely is in there. And I still catch myself. Like I, one of the things that I do now is on a Monday morning at nine o'clock on a Monday morning, I do a yoga class. I've done it for 10 years and I still as I'm going, I have that, oh, you should be sat at your desk. It's nine o'clock on a Monday morning. You know, I still got that somewhere in me and I resist it and kind of go, no, I get to choose. 
That's mm-hmm. like, you know, I don't get the benefits of running your own business. You don't get the holiday pay. You don't get the, you know, but you get to choose. So no, I'm choosing to do this, but it yeah. still pops up. Yeah. So what really stood out to me is that you had your mom who really sacrificed her career in order to be this overcompensated version of a mother yeah. to take care of you as best she could and really be the ideal mom if there is yeah. such a thing. And then you had your dad who was running a business and he was showing you what it means to be serious about work. Yeah. And so here you have these two very different models, what it means to be perfect in mothering and what it means to be ideal at work. And now you have to balance the two. They each only really got one thing to focus on. You're trying to do it all in the same way that they did it when just focusing on one area. And I think that's where that, you know, that's where it really started to take a toll because it's like, yeah, you could probably have done more as a mom if you weren't doing all these other things, maybe, Um, but you did have other things. So it wasn't as realistic, right? You have less time, you have less energy. And so here you are kind of trying to do all the things in the same level that somebody else is doing it when they have one thing to focus on. Yeah. And actually, and and I tried taking that work out the equation to be the ideal mother thinking, oh, that will fulfill me. And it didn't. So it's like, actually, I need these two aspects, but I need to be able to integrate them in a a more sustainable way for me and redefine success on those terms. And actually, when you look at the, the research, I'm not alone in that. If you, there's, you're probably familiar with this, but the paradox of women's happiness since the 1970s is the more opportunities we've had and the more, um, the more resources we've had, actually, there's been a really steep decline in female happiness. And it's like, oh, that's really interesting. And when you, you know, there's a number of factors that we can look at to analyze that, but it's actually the more we're trying to do it all, actually, unless we really pay attention to how we're trying to do it, it can be our undoing. Yeah. So there's the idea of doing too much. And as you're trying to juggle all these things, the expectations that you have of yourself and how well you do each of those things and how perfectly you do each of those things, that can be really unrealistic and setting yourself up. But in addition, I'm really glad you brought up this whole other topic of maybe just take something out of the equation and that'll be the solution. And and I see this a lot with people who are burned out and they want to walk away from their job or their industry and just recreate themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have a lot of talk about people who quit the job and become entrepreneurs, and that's definitely a trend. But we also know that, as you said, if you are somebody who's passionate about the work, whether because it gives you a sense of purpose, because um, you're impacting the world and that's really meaningful to you, because you get to be creative in ways that parenting doesn't allow for, whatever, right? If you're going to take that out of the equation, as you said, then you're not that whole person. The other piece is that you watched your mom sacrifice and maybe that worked for her because her mission in life was to compensate for the lack of parenting that she got. She wanted to make sure that she set you up with as much love and support and caring, etc. And she did a great job at that. But that doesn't mean that whatever worked for her 
is going to work for you or that you need to do it the way that she did it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so this allows for more individuality for each of us to really choose for ourselves. We don't have to be like anyone else. We have to really listen to ourselves and what is it that we need to thrive in the world. And for some people, it's to just be with their kids all the time. Just work and maybe not even have kids. Right. For some people, it's to travel the world. And for the majority of us, we're trying to balance work and family life. And as we take both of these things on, we have to really consider how to do it in a way that's sustainable. And I love that as I was reading your bio, like you really talk about that. And that's part of how you focus in your work. Yeah. So, so that really helps us to put into perspective what was going on for you, why you burned out and really some of the messages that other people can take away from this, that you might be predisposed in the way that you think about things and the way that you're doing things, but this allows you to take a step back and rethink how you're showing up. There's always going to be stressors in your environment, but it's the way that you think about those things. It's the way that you set yourself up in terms of expectations that really make a huge difference. Now, I know that you do a lot of work around cultural programming for working moms. Mm, yeah. I thought it would be actually really helpful if you shared some of that with our listeners. Yeah. So I've already alluded to some of that in terms of the ideal mother and what's been internalized there. Um, and that kind of sits out in, it's almost like the water that's swimming. And, and I think that caught me by surprise because when I, as I say, when I became a mum, I just wasn't expecting it. And it's almost like it becomes the water that you swim in that all of a sudden you know, we talk about, well, mother's guilt is just a part of motherhood and, you know, martyrdom is just a part of motherhood. And it almost becomes this, as I say, the water that we swim in and the fish aren't even aware that there's so many water. And I found myself swimming in all of this stuff and not being aware of it. And I think um, I would always have said that I was a really empowered woman. And what I found that I fell into is a very traditional role in terms of our family setup. So I almost deferred to my husband being the main earner, although early on in my career, I was always the main earner. So there was this, there was this shift in dynamic in the home that I, you know, I was complicit in. It wasn't like it was done to me. I was probably recreating what my mother had created and what I saw in my family environment was that I picked up all of the domestic load when I became a mum. And that that somehow was what you just did. And I really kind of internalized that. And I think when you look at the the data now, that actually for women with children, they're five and a half times more likely to carry most, if not all of the domestic and household load. And even if the woman's the main earner, it's still three and a half times more likely that she'll carry most or all of the domestic load. If you look at women leaders, um, so women in senior leadership positions are 55, 56% more likely to carry the main domestic load versus 13% of male leaders. So this is being kind of just recreated in the in our kind of culture and society and that we have this double shift if we're not careful that if we do want to be career women who also are, you know have families that 
we've got to be really careful of that stuff. And I know that Eve Rodsky does some really great stuff around fair play, talking about we're never going to have equality in the workplace until we've got equality in the home. So there's that kind of dynamic playing out that the, we're still probably holding ourselves or being societies holding ourselves to account of um, being the domestic goddess that we did decades ago, while also trying to be the career woman and, and take advantage of the opportunities that we might have. But also recognizing there's a lot of bias that still plays out in the workplace, you know, particularly the motherhood penalty, you know, women face bias in the workplace anyway. And then you add in being a mum. And a lot of the senior leaders that I work with are often what I would call double only. So they're the only woman on a board, but they were the only work, the only working mum as well. So they're having to navigate that bias. So there's actually a lot of interplay in terms of some of the culture and society piece that we're navigating. And then if you layer on being a high achiever that tends to overfunction, will over deliver, over give, over help, you know that is potentially a recipe for, for burnout. So it's just paying attention to all of those, as I say, psychobiological, the individual factors and the psychosocial and really trying to navigate your way through that in a way that feels sustainable and that you can set yourself up to thrive because actually, unless you're conscious of this, the chances of you thriving are probably quite remote. You know, that's that's the reality of it. So we have to be quite, you know, we have to be intentional and conscious about this. Yeah, I mean, no doubt everything that you just listed off is very prevalent. And there's a lot of, there are probably a lot of women in leadership positions and otherwise who are burning out because they have that double duty at home and at work. Mm -hmm. One of the things I know based on your story is that you, number one, gave up the corporate job to start your own business. And number two, that even though you're now in charge of your own time and you've learned what you learned through this burnout process, you still struggle with giving yourself the, the time. So how much of that is still, do you think the programming and what can help people from your perspective and your experience who have that programming to overcome it so that they can redesign the way that they're showing up in life in a more sustainable way. And for people who maybe don't want to leave corporate culture and do their own thing, because not everybody is an entrepreneur in the making, um, what advice would you have for people to continue being in corporate, but doing it in a way that doesn't lead to burnout? Yeah, really great questions. I think go back to your first question about how much of it is conditioning and how much of it is kind of personality. I think it's a million dollar question. And I think you can, it's almost like layers and layers of an onion. And I keep, you know, it's still work in progress. I keep peeling it back and back. How much of, is that me innately? And how much is it, is that that I, 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 I've learned and I've kind of just swallowed and, and it's become, you know, part of who I am. And I think a big part of burnout is um, the propensity for denial. So, you know, I I found myself and I hear this with my clients, oh, I'm just a driven type of person. So mm-hmm. we kind of um we we deny the reality by just kind of internalizing it as just part of who we are. So for me, it's that absolute self-awareness. It's about being incredibly honest with yourself and removing the risks of where we deny, where we might use humor or where we might kind of um, 
dismissive oh it's it's a tough week this week but it'll get better next week or this year's just been particularly bad next year it'll get better or just need a couple of good nights sleep or that headache oh it's only because I've not drunk enough water it's not stress headache you know we dismiss our symptoms so for me the really critical piece has been incredibly self-aware and as we know in our work often we can't always be completely honest with ourselves. it's almost like um it's a survival strategy and for me in my burnout experience, it was I couldn't admit to myself because it was a threat to my achievement and my accomplishment and my drive. So if I admitted that, like, this is the reality of it, it would mean I would have to let go of that drive and conscientiousness, which felt so part of who I was. And so we like there's a discussion about conditioning and personality. But I think firstly, it's, it's just seeing what is and it might be that you need other people to help you, friends, family, colleagues, you know, professionals to kind of go hold the mirror up and go, have you seen what's going on here? And have you hear, heard the pattern of language and, you know, you're dismissing this or kind of, um, yeah, almost gaslighting yourself in your own experience? What I've had to learn to do is connect my head and my body so I can live in a very detached way away from my body. You know, my head, I'm incredibly strong-minded, strong-willed, have a, like, I love being in my head. I love intellectualizing, rationalizing. So, and I can lose connection to my body. And my body was giving me symptoms for a long, long time. And I talk about it as being like the canary in the coal mine. Yeah. So back in the coal mine days, the canary would be taken down to give symptoms that something wasn't quite right. My body was giving me lots of those moments, but I was choosing to override it or ignore it or dismiss it. So I think self-awareness is critical in this process. And it might be you know, people need help for that self-awareness. I know I would have back then. I've done the work now, but I I, I didn't know what, you know, you're unconscious to, to it. Um, so there's, there's something about awareness and that is, as I said, it's still work in progress for me. I can sit, still get tripped up into, into this. So it's constantly coming back to that. So I've had to build in like rituals or practices that keep me connected to my body. And, um, and they're like micro habits that I just have in my daily, weekly, monthly. And I've literally, they are in my diary that enable me to, to stay connected to my body. Because if I don't, I can easily like detach from it and stay away from it and not listen to all that stuff. Um, and what it's also meant in terms of you asked the question about how do women like thrive in their careers and in the environment that they want to be in and not feel that they've got to do this kind of, we know the great attrition or, you know, you know, the great resonation where we feel we've got to walk away from it just to survive. And for me, it was about redefining my, my, um, my definition of success. Yes, I am driven. Yes, I do want to achieve, but it can't be at the cost of my well-being. My well-being is, is like a fundamental part of my success now. That is how I measure it. So at the end of the week, end of the month, end of the year, it's not about like how many of these big things have I ticked off in terms of my aspirational goals. It's like, how do I feel? Am I enjoying this? Am I in flow? Have I got energy and well-being? That's a critical part of my, my success factor now. And so what that means is I now have six domains that I work with my clients and I work with myself on around how do I stay in alignment with that well-being? So they're the things that you would expect around vitality and energy, you know, making sure I get in the right sleep and movement and nutrition, you know, those and those were the classic bits that I thought I was ticking off when I had my burnout. I was like, I was sleeping well. I was 
exercising. I was eating good nutrition. How did that happen that I burnt out? And what I missed was all these other factors that make up well-being. So it's making sure that I've got authentic relationships in both living and working well, that I've got, you know, I trusted relationships, honest relationships, and, you know, relationships that fill me up. There's also, and a big part that I had underestimated with my well-being was having intellectual engagement and flow, like knowing that that is a critical part of well-being. And that's why when I took work out the equation, I didn't feel like I could thrive still. And knowing that that's in both living and working well, like we need stuff outside of work as well that engages us and allows us to be creative. And again, as working mums, we tend to put our hobbies and that kind of goes to one side. It's like that's that's non-essential, but actually it's an essential part of well-being. Um, Balance and boundaries is another key part that how do we get this integration between living and working well? So what are the boundaries between the two and how do I manage them? Because particularly for women, we see that as the domain that will impact our well-being because the two can bleed into each other and overwhelm each other. And we feel like we're doing neither well. So there's these six domains that I really pay attention to that that help me stay on track of my well-being and under underpin kind of that success, really beautifully said i'm i'm definitely tracking everything that you're saying and a lot of it is stuff that i wrote about in my book as well so i definitely agree with a lot of the things but i think the thing that really stood out to me as a huge takeaway and i really want to highlight this for the listener is when you talked about redefining success you talked about how the way that you measure it is based on your well-being. Like, how do I feel can be the answer to am I being successful? And I think that is such a beautiful way to think about success because in your first version of the story where you were super successful in the traditional way that we think about success, you have, you know, everything you said where you're you got the title and the paycheck and the car and the vacation home and all these things. And we're like, wow, she's made it. But if you feel terrible on the inside, then that's not very successful, is it? Yeah. And I see that so many times. The way that I describe it is I had a really, really high standard of living, a really poor quality of life. Ah. And then when I burnt out, what I realized was that it didn't matter what I had around me. I could, I literally couldn't enjoy it. Like if I hadn't got that source of well-being and it was energy, like I was, I was completely spent. I'd got nothing left in the tank. It mm. doesn't matter what you've got. You like I was, I've got the most beautiful house. I've got this beautiful child and husband. And I was like, I, I literally can't enjoy it. I cannot get out of bed to enjoy it. So it was like, oh, this has got to change. Like this, this, yeah. yeah. Beautifully said. I I really appreciate the way that you kind of packaged your your thought process about this, because I think there's a lot of really beautiful nuggets for people to take away. So I love this idea of uh, high standards of living with a poor quality of life. I think a lot of people who are burned out can really relate to that, especially these high, highly driven people who are killing it at their jobs or in their businesses. And 
don't really feel all that great about it, you know? So uh, you said in the beginning how you felt kind of guilty, like maybe I'm not being grateful enough, but there's probably something more to it. So if you're listening to this, um, this is a great thing to really sit with for a minute and really ask yourself, like, what is my well-being, you know, in addition to the success that maybe we've culturally defined to mean you know, the paycheck and everything else. And that's a great way to reorient yourself to what really matters in life. So Nikki, I really appreciate you coming on and you provided us with so much amazing information. If somebody's listening to this and they're like, oh, I really resonated with Nikki and I want to work with her, where should they go to find you? The best place to head is my website, which is Wisdom for F-O-R, Working Mums, which is the UK spelling M-U-M-S dot co dot UK. So if they Perfect. head over to Wisdom for Working Mums dot co dot UK, they can connect me there and find out more. Wonderful. So we'll have that in the show notes for all of you who are interested in looking Nikki up and maybe taking the next step with her because she is just like she has a beautiful spirit. And um, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing that with all of us. It's my pleasure. And thank you for creating this platform because it's such an important message you're putting out there. As we know, we don't want people hitting that burnout wall and too many are on the brink of it. So it's important work. Agreed. Thank you. So for all of you thinkers out there, what did you think of the show? If you are a feeler, how did hearing this make you feel? And for all of you doers, what are you going to do based on what you've heard? Now, regardless of what your personality code is, my goal is to spread the word that burnout is a unique experience. And by decoding it, you can find solutions that are uniquely equal to you. So help me spread this message by subscribing to the show on Apple or Spotify and leaving us a review telling us what you think, feel, or do differently because of the show. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can leave me a comment or questions to answer in future episodes. And please recommend the show to anyone struggling with burnout. If you are ready to take the next step with me to DYB, go to decodeyourburnout.com and I'll see you right back here next week. Take care.